Hi there, my name's James Herman and I'm what's known as a distinctive asset, which is something that makes people think immediately of a certain brand, like the Golden Arches make people think of McDonald's or the Swoosh makes people think of Nike. When the most effective marketing and advertising people hear me, they think of the Master of Advertising Effectiveness brand. The Master of Advertising Effectiveness is a six-week online program in partnership with Walk where I'll give you a next-level understanding of how to make advertising that creates consistently better commercial results. One important ingredient is distinctive assets, like me. And me being here on this ad is one of the many reasons this campaign is the most effective advertising campaign in the world. Confused? You won't be when you become a master of advertising effectiveness. Get started at mae.academy. That's mae.academy. Hello and welcome to the Walk Podcast. My name's Lena Rowland, Head of Content for Walk Strategy. And today we're talking about drivers of brand growth. I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Driscoll, Walk's Commissioning Editor for EMEA and editor of a recent Walk Spotlight on this topic. So Catherine, welcome back to the podcast. Tell me about why you chose to focus on drivers of brand growth for this EMEA Spotlight. Hi, Lena. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So yes, drivers of brand growth, it could be described as something of a where we are now with effectiveness in our region, with the growth of digital media and changes in the way people view, shop and play across digital channels. We really wanted to investigate where we stand with some of the advertising fundamentals. So this spotlight's really all about what's changed, what's changing and what's evergreen when it comes to just some aspects of effectiveness research. And, you know, I've really been incredibly fortunate to bring together a fabulous collection of top advertising minds from Accelero, Meta, Magic Numbers, Ipsos and JKR. The authors are all from Europe, but um, the findings are relevant to all regions. I think it's a really valuable collection of research. It is indeed a great lineup of contributors to this spotlight. Now, one of the articles in the series is from Paul Dyson from Accelero, who shares his research on the drivers of advertising profitability. Now, this is an update of the work first done in 2008 and then again in 2014. Both of those studies are available on Walk. But why is the research so interesting? Um, Yeah, you're right. Paul Dyson shared a really important article with us for this spotlight. The latest iteration of the research was much expanded and it covers analysis of 28,000 ROIs from around the world. And in this new article, he explains the method behind the analysis, but also shares practical insights of what brands can do with these benchmarks. Maximising the return on advertising investment is always important, but especially during price rises and negative growth as we've seen in EMEA this year. And so it's really all about highlighting and ranking the different levers an advertiser can pull to improve ROI. And it also helps identify where resources should be put to maximise return. All right. So what is the biggest lever that uh, an advertiser can pull? What is the biggest driver of profitability according to this research? Um, So yeah, the biggest driver is brand size uh, with a profitability multiplier of 20. Um, So Dyson, you know, explains bigger brands win on both physical and mental availability. They're more well known and so an appealing alternative if a consumer's usual brand's not available. And they're also more available. So these bigger brands find it easier to attract customers through marketing and as a result, they become more profitable. Right. So this sounds pretty similar to the double jeopardy rule, right? Yeah, it's related to that effect. Um, Brand size has always been the biggest driver, but with the growth of digital, it's become even more powerful, growing from a multiplier of 16 in 2014. 
And an interesting finding relating to brand size, as detailed in the article, Dyson's research also found a great range in average ROIs across different categories. Retail, for example, had ROIs that were around 10 times bigger on average compared to FMCG brands. And further research showed that this difference in profitability strongly correlated to brand size. In the article, he also shares what average ROI to expect for different size brands and also different media budgets. So, Catherine, is there much that smaller brands can do to compete given the power of brand size then? Yeah, well, brand size really is a huge factor in profitability. And this finding relates, but not only across categories, but also within a category. So there is things a brand can do, practical implications, you know, for any advertiser. If you have a portfolio of brands, then spending more on the bigger brands will generate the best returns. Although there is the caveat that this would need to be aligned with strategic objectives. For example, if you had a fast growing brand, it might make sense to invest in that to make it become bigger quicker. Um, And Paul Dyson also highlights that if you grow your brand, your ROI will increase. Effectively, the better known you become, the more efficient your marketing activity will be. Great. So brand size is the biggest driver of profitability. What's the next biggest? Uh, So moving on to the second most powerful driver of brand growth. And then we're talking about creative quality. Unlike brand size, this is a driver of growth the advertiser has complete control over. Research shows that the quality of advertising creative has a huge impact on effectiveness. And Paul Dyson's analysis really validates the power of creative impact. Creative quality now represents a profitability multiplier of 12 up from 10 in 2014. So to cut through in the modern media landscape, the quality of creative is becoming more important. Dyson's findings also echo research from Walk and Kantar that high quality creative drives more than four times as much profit as low quality creative. In the article, he also um, reminds people that people, they always assume they'll make better creative, but, you know, new creative could perform worse. So as he says, if your creative's performing well and the messaging's still relevant, think twice before changing it. Sounds like solid advice there. So we've covered brand size and creative quality. What about the other profit drivers in Paul Dyson's top 10? So the other drivers are mostly focused on optimising media and they've shown less change since 2014. Uh, Budget setting across geographies um, is a powerful driver with a multiplier of five. And other drivers include the use of multimedia, budget setting across variants and across portfolios. One driver that has increased in significance is optimising the balance of brand and performance marketing, which now has a multiplier of two. Nicely done, Catherine, because that segues really well into your second theme, which is uh, optimising the balance of brand and performance marketing. Tell us a bit more about what this spotlight tells us about that. (laughs) Thanks, Lena. Yeah, the second driver of brand growth I'd like to focus on is this balance of the marketing strategy. In basic terms, you know, capturing those already in market or widening the net so potential future buyers are aware of your brand. Uh, Grace Kite and Tom Roach have shown there's eventually a performance marketing plateau and brand building marketing is needed to then increase the customer base. And there are great benefits to this sort of blended approach. Research from Meta on social channels found that when brand and performance are working together, it resulted in 18% greater incremental sales, which was a lot to do with the addition of reach. Now, there's not one, not two, but three articles from Meta in this Spotlight series. What do you want to highlight from, from that collection? 
Yeah, we're very fortunate to have a whole host of research from Meta. And these articles by Constanza Fickner and Harry Davison from Marketing Science at Meta collate different research studies to share findings and benchmarks in three broad areas. But they're really all about how and why to build a brand on digital channels. So there's lots of advice to take away for balancing brand and performance for stronger growth especially on social media. For example, the authors found on average across multiple third-party studies and categories that the total ROI across all media was 2.5 times higher than the short-term ROI. So 60% of the ROI was generated in the long term. The authors also advise on KPIs and metrics for achieving growth through digital channels and address the change in business mindset that's needed to embrace longer-term brand campaigns. Okay, so we know investing in brand building has multiple benefits, but it can be difficult to implement for marketers. Yeah, especially for those brands that started online and they've grown being used to the more direct attribution of performance marketing. You know, that is sort of a measure that works really well for non-marketing people. And so Dr. Grace Kite has flagged that there's really a skill shortage here. In her article in the Spotlight with Andy Nethercott, also from Magic Numbers, they say that because marketers don't know how to make the case internally for brand building using their own data, that theory takes pride of place on the shelf and then the business just carries on before. And so they share some practical steps that brands can take with their own data to identify where a brand is on its growth trajectory. And so whether it's at that point that brand building is needed to accelerate growth. But they also highlight that the good news is brand marketing enhances performance marketing and vice versa. So when you get the balance right, the sum really is more than its parts. Great. Okay, so Catherine, what's the third driver of brand growth from the Spotlight series you'd like to highlight today? And so the Spotlight is really broad. You know, it looks at best practices for creative, budget setting, media strategy and measurement. But another important driver of brand growth is a reminder to take care of your brand assets. You know, while this might seem quite indirect, you know, if the creative's great and the media panning's optimal, there's still potential for this work to be wasted if people don't link the message to the brand. We have a ton of research on Walk by the likes of Jenny Romaniak and others on the importance of distinctive brand assets. What's new in this spotlight? Yeah, we know distinctive brand assets are super important, but in the spotlight, we we also include this um, recent global study by Ipsos and JKR of more than 500 brands, and they looked at more than 5,000 assets, and they found only 15% of the brand assets met their gold standard, you know, and that is that these assets immediately and uniquely brought the brand to mind, you know, which really represents a a lot of potential improvement in branded recognition. You know, ultimately, if a brand name isn't anchored in memory, then the ad has little useful ROI. Ipsos found that the presence of distinctive brand assets is strongly linked to positive branded attention effects. So it's more than just showing the brand or talking about it in the ad. It's those distinctive brand assets that are super powerful. Okay, and how did different brand assets compare to each other in this study? Well, it's an interesting question. You know, brand assets, of course, include logos, slogans, mascots, sounds, colours, shapes and more. And there was variation in effectiveness across these different tools. Logos, which you might expect to have the best chance of being distinctive, had 19% reach the gold standard. And the authors, Lee Royston of JKR and Hazel Freeman from Ipsos, said they were surprised this was so low. You know, and they question whether this relates to the trend of the clean, minimal logo of recent years, which has meant that, you know, some logos have really become more similar. And what did the research tell us about the worst performing brand assets in the study? 
Um, well, there were a few <laughs> slogans performed poorly, um, with only 6% reaching the gold standard. And, you know, which really suggests the majority of slogans are pretty forgettable. And the thinking here was that many brands drop or change their slogans long before they've had a chance to embed. You know, if you think how long powerful slogans like just do it or every little helps have been used. And colour was also a very weak asset with only 4% reaching the gold standard. But, you know, this is less unexpected. You know, using colour in brand assets is really all about the context rather than owning a particular colour, which is, of course, very difficult. But done right, colour can be really powerful if you think of Coca-Cola or Monzo or Cadbury. Yeah, definitely. And Catherine, what sort of assets fared better in the study? Um, Well, a distinctive product, you know, can be the band's most um, sort of recognised asset. Um, 31% of proprietary products tested reached the gold standard. And, you know, while brands that really are unique in this way do have an advantage over commodities, you know, there are certain things with more generic products can do to make distinctive products, such as Tony's Chocolonis Unequally Segmented Bar or Stella Artois, which has a unique chalice glass, um, which makes their beer stand out on the bar. So really the main advice from um, the authors is that distinctiveness is built by sticking with and enhancing your brand assets over time. And so they're embedded in the customer's memory. And that consistency and playing the long game is what will bring the best results and help drive growth for the brand. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Catherine, for sharing your time and expertise with us today. And thank you to all the contributors of this excellent Spotlight series. Walk clients can read all the papers from this series on walk.com and look out for a walk webinar on the 10th of October. Building brands today, digital media strategies for short and long-term growth. This is a deep dive into the meta research. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you don't already, make sure you follow Walk on your favourite podcast platform. Thank you for listening.